Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the Win Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. Thank you so much for listening in to the first half of the podcast last week. Today is the second half, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. Um, if you haven't become a musician, what career do you think you would have been doing instead? Um, I, well, I'm actually a certified school teacher. Nice. Cool. Already. Yeah. So, um... I still do that, so I can still substitute teach on the days that I feel like it. Right. So I would absolutely be a full-time teacher. Nice. If, um, yeah, and I, I can teach vocal music in school, so both worlds kind of collide, yeah. which is yeah. very which is ideal. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So I would absolutely be a teacher, so, for sure. So, uh, That's cool. So what grade would, would you teach, like, like high school, elementary school? Yeah. High school for okay. sure. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, what is uh, what's your favorite song that you've released, and why? Is this original music or covers? Original. <laughs> Let's go with original, original first. First. Um, that's super tough because yeah. <laughs> I guess out of all the originals dispersed amongst both bands and myself they're all vastly different so it's like right it's like how do you choose just one but yeah. i think the one that i emotionally connect with the most and i'm biased but it's probably solace because it's the song um that i wrote from front to back including the instrumental and i i never do that like I can't yeah. shred on a guitar and I, I can't begin to try and even write a crazy mm. guitar lead. So right. yeah. solace is like the only thing that I 100% wrote. And that makes me super biased, but <laughs> um, naturally like I am the most emotionally connected to that song. So I think I was just the most proud when that came out because taking just a vision and making it real, that was like a super huge for me. So yeah. it was a very proud moment. Awesome. Yeah. James, you want to take the next one there? I do. Um oh. so I okay, so I must apologize to you because I know you've been in the music game music game for a long time and I just found out about you uh quite a few months ago, but I discovered you on YouTube, and the and the first song I heard from you was "Tears Don't Fall" cover. Um, oh, I, cool. that, that is That's a, a good one. That is amazing. And you and um, uh, Violet on uh, Orlandi 
yeah. did an amazing job of it, and I really, really appreciate that one. Um, so you, Thank you. you. You brought that song. I think the, I, I, I honestly think that that song is a lot better than uh, Bullet for My Valentine. <laughs> yeah. um, That's crazy. Yeah. So um, on to the question. So um, uh, you released two cover albums, cover volume one and volume two. Can you tell us your process for choosing songs to cover? Yeah. Um, and it's much more simple than people would think, but I only cover songs that I love. Right. Yeah. I will never cover a song for any other reason, like whether it's like, oh, I'm going to get a lot of views, so I'm going to cover this song. Like, I only cover songs that I, I love because the performance will be way better that way. Yeah. Um, and if I, if I ever cover something that I'm not invested in emotionally, it's going to be boring. Right. So yeah. Yeah. it's always going to be songs that I love and songs that um, everyone knows or right. songs that everyone knows. So, yeah. so it's kind of like taking both of those variables and then, um, picking a song that way because obviously everyone has those really um you know indie songs and really niche songs that they love but mm -hmm. um it it would be much more difficult to put a cover together um for one of those but i usually just like to cover songs that i love and songs that i know everyone loves too so yeah. that's really it <laughs> it doesn't matter what genre it is like right I, yeah. i'll cover metal post-hardcore pop like i don't really care as long as it's a good song, you know. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so James sent me the uh, yeah. the link to the the tears don't fall one, and it's 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 awesome. Um, Thank you. But uh, and then he you know he mentioned in here that you had whenever we were going over our notes that your first upload was Sleepers by Sayosin. Um and that is hands down my favorite Sayosin song, um, and definitely my favorite song by them to play so i went and checked it out and it's it's great i just want to say you. good job that that was awesome and that it's funny that that's the video that's the first one on youtube on my channel because right. there have there have been ones that came before that but they are private really? now <laughs> because they are really bad but, oh, no. <laughs> um, but um yeah that was the first cover that i felt was worthy of still being right up <laughs> yeah it's good thank it's you really good. yeah and i think that was back in 2012 i think i want to say or 2011 something like that yeah but thank you yeah seosin's been a band that i've just always loved and that that one album i think defines a lot of people yeah it's for sure a wonderful record yeah as far as the post hard hardcore scene the that Sayosin album for sure was like a huge staple, for at, at sure. least for me. Um, I, I just it exposed me to so many other bands. Um, because I would, you know, it, did you ever watch Fuse? Um, back in the yes. day, yes, I think so, our version of that was a little different because we had our own version of MTV, yeah we had much music in Canada. Yes. So we just like, I think we got a few shows from MP MTV, but I think Fuse was one of them. 
Yeah, Fuse yeah. was wonderful, and uh, I watched a little bit of Much Music um, before. I think I think what ended up happening was Much Music ended up turning into Fuse, at least over over here it did, and then um, the channel ended up just switching over. So mm-hmm. I was I was into Fuse, and I, I watched Stephen's Untitled Rock Show, and it was it just opened my eyes to so many different types of bands um, that was out there that I just didn't even know existed. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Sayosin was one of those bands and they're, uh, what was the, uh, big first song they had? It was back when Anthony Green, uh, was still singing with them. Uh, seven years, seven years. Yep. Yeah. Seven years. That's it. And, uh, and then, I I learned that he left and they brought in a new guy and just killed it, man. That album was so good. I, my unpopular opinion is that mm-hmm. Cove Reber is Sayosin. And yeah. any and anyone that says Anthony Green is better in Sayosin, I highly disagree. But that's <laughs> yeah. just my that's just my hot take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Circus Survive is is great on its own. So I always associate him with Circus Survive as opposed to Sayosin and just kind of leave yeah. it leave it like that. I know he came back. To me it's just not as good. So I agree. I agree with you. <laughs> and the thing with music is, um, you never know um, what you're gonna like or like, like or dislike. Um, so I, um, uh, when Blake uh, told me about, well, I, well, I told him about the salesman. Um, I honestly never heard of salesman, but I think that I will like it uh, just because you did a so good, a, a really good uh, job on that song. So. Thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, thank Absolutely. you for thank you for um uh telling me about a band that I that I had no idea. Of, you know. Uh, so. Yeah, you'll have to check them out, man. They're good. Yeah, like, they sound great. You know. What uh, What is the process uh for obtaining the rights to a cover song? Um, uh, like who do you contact? How How long do you have before to wait? And is there money involved? And you know, how does that, all that process work? Cause um, you y'all did a cover of Rage Against the Machine, and on your Twitter, mm-hmm. um, you like, uh, we had to wait for something to to go through, you know. Yeah, so it really depends. Like if you, and it it is a little bit of a, a complicated thing, but you know if you're just singing over a karaoke version for YouTube, mm-hmm. that's fine. You can put it up on YouTube, and the original song owners will. Put probably claim it because it is theirs yeah um and that's that you're fine you just can't make money off it but it's when you want to make money off of a cover that's when you have to obtain a mechanical license and um in order to be eligible to obtain a mechanical license you have to have recorded the cover from scratch so you cannot use any portion of the original recording and that's what kind of defines um how whether you can sell the song so to get a mechanical license there are services like DistroKid, right um and sound drop for example where they obtain the license from I don't know what company it is. I think it's called HFA or something. Mm. And they make a deal with the original publishers and owners of the song. And um, they get, I think the number is 7%, which 
which is pretty low, which is good. Yeah. Um, so every sale, they get 7% because they own the composition rights. Um, so to get a mechanical license, it can take, um, you know, between five days, five business days or, you know, three weeks. Like wow, it, it yeah. really, de- it really depends on the, just the, I guess how backlogged they are mm-hmm. or, you know, the deal that they have to get into contact with the publishers. So, right. so, um, so yeah. is there any money involved uh, on on your end, like do you have to pay them a certain amount, or do you just have yeah. to rate it? Okay. So it depends on the service. So DistroKid is a subscription based, so they do it per month. Right. So I think it's like a dollar a month, uh, every month that the cover is is up on Spotify. You pay a buck. Oh well. And okay. then that's pretty. And cheap. then sound. Uh-huh. Yes, but here's the thing. I recently fi- figured out that SoundDrop. It's just a one-time nine ninety-nine fee. So after nine months, you're paying more with DistroKid. So oh, yeah, it really it really depends on the service. Right. But either way, um, you're gonna be paying a, a small fee. I mean, nine nine ninety-nine har- is hardly breaking the bank. Right. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Because um, I have a friend who who um has some songs on Apple uh, Apple Music. And mm-hmm. she goes through Disco Kid too, and she got like yeah. a like a discount code for the first time. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, she says that uh, any any um I guess like like every time it plays something they'll they'll get a they'll get like a payment or something. Is that how yeah. it works? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think they report um monthly. Same right. with Sound Drop. So either way, like distribution services are pretty similar. Like you have CD Baby, TuneCore, um. And a few other ones, but um, they're all doing the same thing. Their fees are just a little bit different amongst um, each service, I guess. Yeah. So when you're, you said you, whenever you choose a cover that you do under your, you know, under your own name, it's it's got to be a song that you love, something that you yeah. are passionate about. Um, is it the same whenever you do covers under uh, Red Handed Denial? Yes. I will always do something that we love. So yeah. when we did telephone, um, nice. that's, a, that's great, a song. That's a great yeah, like, <laughs> It's Lady Gaga. So it's like, yeah. why is it, why is a technical, you know, proggy metalcore band covering Lady Gaga? Right. But it sounds so good though. You know? <laughs> and it's yeah. because we all love Lady Gaga. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, it just makes sense. And if we feel like we can arrange the song in a really good way, will move forward with it and telephone just really worked out right. i think it's one of my favorites for sure awesome on 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 may 21st 2020 um the cover of queen's bohemian rhapsody released in which you collaborated with violet or orlandi adi nicole from the band Halloween and audra miller from the band first to 11. uh mm-hmm. can you uh could you tell us how, how that collaboration came about? I mean, like, who contacted who, and how did you decide to, to, to cover Bohemian Rhapsody, or, you know? The biggest song of all time? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> One of them. Was, yeah, I was really scared, honestly. Um, so, Holocene is, you know, they've become 
some of my really good friends via the the YouTube music world. Right. Yeah. And um, Brad, who's the guitarist, he's their main producer. Amazing guitarist. Too. Yeah, he's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um. So they had the idea of doing like a little Queen collab. So we also did Somebody to Love, um, under First to Eleven's channel. Oh, nice! I got to take that out. Yeah. So we we kind of did that cross collab. Because we had done um, a couple of System of a Down covers before that with um, me, Violet, and and Holocene. Yeah. So we were just like, let's up the ante and bring in player number four, Audra right. Miller. Right. Yes. And yes. She's great. We're gonna cover Queen, and so it was it was Holocene's idea, and they put together Bohemian Rhapsody, and I think it came out it exceeded my expectations tenfold like i i was really nervous about it right and i think just brad's wizardry of you know music production and video editing i was blown away like i just recorded my parts and sent them over mm. and and you know said a little prayer and you know and then i got this final <laughs> product back and i was just like oh my god like this is this is incredible like the video like the video what that editing man we, we shot that in our individual houses and it looks like we were in the same room that's what i was asking did, did, yeah. did you go like like did you do it face to face or did you record yeah, okay yeah yeah great everything was remote like wow i i filmed my part with a broken light <laughs> that was that I taped I taped it to my ceiling with mm. duct tape. Right. Because that's how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> in LB Studios that's over right. here. <laughs> and I hung up a tablecloth. Mm -hmm. And that was my video. So I was just like, wow, this is gonna be rough, you know? But you know, it worked. Like everything looks so good. And I I'm just still to this day just so elated about how it turned out because right. yeah i had a seriously like bad like just terrible equipment and oh, i was no. completely completely unprepared to film with a black backdrop so it, it actually worked out and i'm super happy well well i'm going to say something about the video editing the video editing is killer because uh for any of you who haven't seen it yet um uh the, the video starts out um with um all the the, the ladies and the editing is shot like it was um filmed on a like a vhs player until uh in the middle of the song and then it kicks into the like like modern day um editing which is great i love that it's crazy yeah and all all that like vhs effect that was done in post-production so he he had to do that in his program, which is incredible. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, I hate to do this, but I've got to go back to work. Um, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to disconnect. Um, I'm really looking forward to listening to this interview, <laughs> though. And uh, Lauren, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, it was um, great talking with I'm, you. I'm gonna head on in. You guys can can continue. Um, but uh, yeah, this was fun. Cool. Thank you, Blake. Day Thank jobs, you. absolutely right. suck. I wish I could do this for a living. So, <laughs> yeah. Point that out there. <laughs> All right, guys, you take care. All right, bye. Thank you.
Okay. Um, so moving on to your main band, Red Hand in Denial. Uh, the band released their first EP, Eyes and Liquid Skies, in 2009. Then mm -hmm. your band released their second EP, seven years later, with Wonder. In 2013, you released Red Hand in Denial's first length, full, first full-length album, Stories of Old. Uh, why was Stories of Old released five years later? Uh, was there, like, a production issue? Um, I think we were just really young. <laughs> okay and you know like we were we were and still are a self-managed like diy band like we're not on a label so when you're coordinating a huge album like that and you don't really have help it's gonna take a lot longer right. so um and we also had a few band member changes as well okay. so that kind of hindered um stories of old a little bit mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it was just, we were really young and, and I don't think we, um, could afford a record until <laughs> right. five years later. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Uh, we, when you first, um, started out a band, you're like, you know, where am I going to get the funds for our new, uh, for our first, um, EP or record, you know? So yeah, that, that, that album's great. Um, so, so how did you meet your band members? Did you find them in like a Craigslist, um, uh, website or did they come to you or how did you meet them? So Red Handed Denial did exist before I joined the band. So, um, they had a classified ad on MySpace. Oh, from way <laughs> back when, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I found that and I auditioned for the band back in 2008 and I was only 17, so it, I was very young, and the rest is history. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, so, I, I, so I heard in the video that your main man was in Red Hand in Denial, correct? They are my main band. Main yes. band, okay, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you're but you're in another band under the metalcore genre called Crazy Eighty Eight. Uh, tell us how that band yeah. came to be. Yeah. So. Jared Alonji, who is very well known for his parody videos and his parody music, um, he wanted to start a band that was, you know, not comedy. Right. So one day I got an email from him and he, he's quite a well-known YouTuber. And especially at that time, like he, he has worked with a lot of, you know, bigger bands in the comedy world right. and done a lot of skits and whatnot. So getting an email from him, I was just like, okay, why is this, <laughs> why? why is this famous person emailing me? Right. So he was like, I'm, I want to start a serious band. I want, um, I want a woman to be the front person of the band. And I want the band to be conceptually, based around movies right and i really dig that so i was like absolutely like let's get the conversation going mm -hmm. and we shortly after began um our little ep no word spoken right. and covers volume one at the same time okay so yeah it was it all started with an email <laughs> oh nice nice that's yeah. always 
that's always fun, uh, fun to 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 um, get an email from uh, a celebrity in your case, and just like yeah, because I would I would be freaked out too if uh, you know somebody like like that huge emailed me and wanted to start a band with me. That that would be amazing. Yeah, um, it was really cool. Yeah. Okay. So I so I have two theories that I want to ask you, and you can tell me if they're the right or wrong. Uh, sure. The band's name Crazy Eight Eight is that uh, like a site on the Kill Bill Crazy Eight Eight clan on Kill Bill Two? Yes. Yes, I got that right. Yeah, because I was like, I know, I, I, I know that name from somewhere, and then I had to uh, pull out all the files in my brain, and okay, that's that's Kill Bill. And uh, one of my favorite songs of all time on that album. Um, Yes, I am Tetsuo. Uh, now, uh, is is that a is that something from t- uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too? It is not. Oh, because this guy was uh, his name was Tetsuo on uh, Turtles too. You know the little little. Uh, I think it's Shredder's second hand dude. You know, second <laughs> right hand man. Yeah, I think. Oh my gosh, it's been a while since I've um, really thought about burning alive in that record yeah. i think i am i think i am tetsuo is based off of akira Aki- oh yes okay yeah the anime. yeah 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 because yeah, i because that really didn't come to my mind the first thing i i thought was turtles because i was I, I am still a really big fan of turtles so that's the first thing that popped <laughs> nice. into my mind yeah. so um i know this on back of album uh burning alive it said that you, the drums were programmed uh, but on a yes. video of I Am Tetsuo and um, Sh- I think Shinebox, um, you had yeah. the drummer Tyson Dang, which is great. He's, he's awesome. I can't wait to get him on show one day. Um, yeah. Uh, can you tell me why you w- w- went with programming as opposed to having a real drummer? Money. <laughs> Money. <laughs> That's literally the reason. Money, so, okay. Yeah. Drums and live drums are by far the most time-consuming and most expensive part of a recording process. Yes. And because Crazy 88 is, you know, at that time was almost like a trial run, Mm -hmm. um, we just simply didn't have the funds to be able to, you know, track the drums live or, you know, acoustically. So um, you'd actually be surprised at how many um, songs actually have program drums they just sound really really good they do they do and yeah the technology has come you know a really long way yeah so i don't think we would have programmed the drums if the technology wasn't there but Mm -hmm. because um it it's so good um it was just a really good way for us to make a record um but still be able to to see how well it was going to do and not be able to, um, you know, be broke at the same time. Mean, so, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, um, when a musician starts out, they'll, they'll um, kind of are kind of broke, kind of. <laughs> not really, but. Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah. So you're kind of uh, struggling to find anything that'll make it easier. And I get, did, uh, did, the, did the programming jumps make it uh, like, Sometimes easier as as opposed to um, dealing with like a human being, as as, as far as like drumming goes. 
I think program drums just for me, they really give more freedom to the writing process because you're able to move stuff around really quickly and be able to adjust drumming parts without having to, you know, take the time to record it. So being able to have that flexibility for us was really helpful. And it's, it's really, really easy to just make a change or an adjustment with that. Right. Uh, so we come to now, um, uh, 2020, and on July 24th, you released your first pop EP, Silence of the Old Sound. Yay! Uh, yes! Uh, great album, by the way. Great album. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so how has the reaction surrounding the album been like for you? I mean, because on Twitter, I see you um, retweet a lot of, um, people back in the and I hear no, I I see nothing but like uh, like praise for that album. How has it been in 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 your eyes? It's been insanely incredible. Like I have I've wanted to do pop like a little pop thing for a long time now, right. and you know I've kind of built my brand like quote unquote brand um, around heavy music. So naturally I was, I was, and it am very, you know, cautious of releasing something that isn't what I normally do. And I was just so blown away at the amount of support that people showed for it Mm -hmm. because it's just so different than what I normally do. Right. And, just those people that really gave it a chance, Mm -hmm. they love it. And it just means so much to me. And I'm just so thankful that, that people have really taken to it. Right. And I couldn't be happier with it. Well, I'm glad for you. Yeah. Cause that's a really, really fantastic album. Um, and I will say that my favorite song is Erase. Um, that's that's, that's, that's a beautiful song. Um, thank you. During your writing process, did you, um, write, uh, what you, have been through, because I think that that Erase song um, uh, is is very personal to you. Yes, and how Erase came about is a little bit different. Um, I should say that the EP was extremely collaborative. So um, I was working with a producer from Montreal. His mm-hmm. name is Culture. He, he goes under the name Culture. And he, me and him just really collaborated on it so we both wrote the thing and a race is a little bit different because jenny who's the featured vocalist um jenny and i had written the lyrics and melodies i would say two years ago because they were originally supposed to be on a cole roland song and that song never panned out like we weren't really happy with it so we kind of scrapped it mm-hmm. So, you know, come two years later when I had plans to do the pop EP, I hit up Cole Rowland and I was like, hey, do you think we can use what Jenny and I wrote and just make a totally different song from it? And he was super cool with that because we weren't going to use it anyway. So we were able to use what Jenny and I wrote in a totally different context. And culture was able to take what we wrote and make this beautiful like 80s nostalgic synthwave song and it came out really good and i'm so happy mm. with it 
So how long has this album been in the works? Because I know you said you wrote a song two years ago, scrapped it. So, I mean, like, like how long, be, like, since you first thought about doing a pop album to now, how long did that take? So Culture um, came up to me at an RHD show in Montreal. And he, I think this was like, I don't know, like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think your voice would suit, um, you know, the pop realm really well. And he was doing an EP. So I'm going to be featuring on his EP um, at some point when he releases that. But um, I would say my pop project has been about a year and a half in the works. So we decided to do the pop EP shortly after I recorded my part for his EP. So we kind of, we meshed really well, um, in the studio and, and, you know, we came up with the idea to do like a, a pop release. So I think it's been about a year and a half in the making. Yeah. Um, now, now I know you said that he contacted you, but, um, were you inspired to make a pop album before he contacted you or? Oh, definitely. Okay. I just, I never had the knowledge or the means to do it because I'm not in any way a pop producer. I'm not someone who is very well versed in the pop world. Yeah. And, you know, I do rock. I do metal. I I know my way around that really well. Right. But pop is just a whole other thing. And it requires just this whole other um, detail oriented way of of making the songs and i didn't realize how much um attention to detail pop requires like people think it's so simple it's like oh pop songs are super easy and they're super simple but it almost takes more finesse to make a pop song than a metal song okay it requires more and i learned so much from from culture and and he he was able to take my um sort of pop dream and make it a reality i literally would not have been able to do it without him because he was able to build the songs and mix them and master them so it i attributed it to him it was just my idea it was my dream yeah good so yeah he just brought it to life. It, wow. He just did everything else, you know? Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, he did all the editing and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah, so that's cool. Well, I do believe that your voice is um, very versatile, and I and I really, really, um, to be, I, I mean, to be 100% truthful with you, uh, this album is just great. Um, I love everything you. you do through cover songs, the red-handed denial, and Crazy 88. Crazy 88 has been, it's like my first favorite um uh, uh, band that that you're in because when I found out that that there was an actual record, a vinyl record, I'm like, I got to get this because I collect collect records. Um, oh, I, nice. I probably spend way too much money on some of them <laughs> than I should, but uh, yeah, since I got this record, I've been nothing but listening to it. Um, my favorite song under is "I Am Tetsuo," uh, mainly because of of your voice during the chorus. Um. So, yeah. Oh, the harmonizing? Yeah, that, that's that really, fun, really yeah. awesome. And and I love that song to death. So, Thank um, you. I, I, I do think you have a very versatile voice that, that goes super well with pop. Um, 
so do you have any other uh, plans to release a like a full-blown uh, pop album in the future i hope so i think i i need to replenish my pop uh, creativity rev- reservoir first right but um i hope so i i just want to make as much music as i can before i can't anymore right. so i yeah. i hope so in the future and in any capacity that i can whether it's with culture or with with someone else absolutely right i would love to is there any uh, uh is is there any other um uh, musicians that you would like to work with in the future like the covers or original music or like you know stuff like that Ooh, there's yeah. just so many i think i i would love to work with um do you know the band um periphery at all i do not well their vocalist spencer satello i would love to do just a cover with him i think that would be super cool and I think um, I think that's one that the internet would really like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I <laughs> but mean, he's the... he's one of my favorite voices, so that would be amazing. Right. Well, uh, maybe one day that will that will happen. You know, I mean, I, I mean, so. anything's possible. So, and I think you're right. I think the internet would really, really love to listen to you and and him do a song together. Um. So, um, my last question for you today on this podcast is: Where can the people find you? Where can they find me? Yeah. Um, on my social media. Right. So I have yeah. um, I have my YouTube, I have Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and TikTok. TikTok. I have joined the TikTok world. No, no. You, if it doesn't get banned, we'll you, see. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, you, um, do you find that yeah. TikTok is 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 a way to reach more people? Yes. Really. I, I've grown to love TikTok and it kind of opens up to a totally different demographic. Um, so yeah, it's been really fun and just like getting my music into more ears, but, um, yeah, those five social media platforms and, you know, both my bands and my solo music, um, that's all on the major streaming platforms. So Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, Deezer, all those. And you can get hard copies and merch at a few different sites. So Crazy88 merch is at bucketomedia.com. Red Handed Denial stuff is at redhanddenial.com. Right. And my stuff you can find at laurenbabic.ca. Awesome. And, and I also have a Patreon too. I should probably mention that. Yeah, right. Well, well, I <laughs> yeah. was going to do that for you. Um, uh, you can get Lauren Babic on her Patreon. She's um has a lot of good uh, uh, tiers, I guess you would call them. I am one of those one of those backers for you. So yes, um, yeah. So thank and you. And I, I want to thank you for that too. I'm I'm currently putting together all the July. Um, perk packages. So you should be getting yours very soon. Okay, well, take your time because I'm in no rush to get anything <laughs> from you, you know, because I know that uh, that uh, mail has slowed down. Uh, it has a lot. Yeah, because yeah. when, when I know I got in the mail like like three months later, I'm like, oh my God, you know, just, you know, but, but then again, it's from Texas and Texas is really, really backed up uh, with their uh, virus stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I really, really want to thank you so much for coming on. This was great. 
Um, Thank you. I, and, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, and uh, it's it's always refreshing to hear uh, the music aspect from a different point of view. And I think that you that that you gave us a good um, eye on what it's like for music to be meaning to you. Thank you. I'm glad that I was um, I was able to share some insight. Yeah. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the When Words Fail, Music Speaks podcast. Stay tuned for more, and thank you for listening.